Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. I'm your host, Brad Tunar, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Pippin Williamson. Hi, everybody. And today we have a special guest with us, uh, Justin Santon. Hey, guys. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good, Doing good. pretty great. Why don't we go ahead and start out by having you talk a little bit about what you do day to day. Yeah, so I, day to day I work on a little bit of everything, but uh, since about 2007, uh, my my day to day has been WordPress pretty much 100%. Uh, and kind of the area that I focus on within WordPress is e-commerce. Uh, so a lot of my days look like uh, doing either e-commerce development, uh, back-end development for WordPress, uh, kind of integrating payment gateways or APIs or all sorts of stuff that kind of involve WordPress and e-commerce. Uh, that sounds so like Pippin's life. <laughs> yeah, very much like yeah. Pippin's life. Yeah, we've done a lot similar. of collaboration. Except for the fact that Justin's been doing like full-time since 2007. I don't even think I even started with WordPress until 2009, 2008. So oh, it makes me feel... Done. Yeah, well, I started my company in 2005, and the very first website I did was an e-commerce site. So before I was doing WordPress... Your very first website was an e-commerce? Yeah, and it was for a winery, no less, which is like one of the hardest e-commerce uh, verticals wow. to get into. <laughs> so, I mean, it was really stupid of me, but I did it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been doing e-commerce since 2005, and then really dug into WordPress in 2007. And then about did 2010 is when I got involved with uh, the WP e-commerce project. That's um, what I was just going to ask you about. Well, there you go. Well, because I know you've been, you've been working on WP e-commerce for a while now as one of the core developers, and I was curious to know, which did you start with, that or were you already in e-commerce before? Sure. So, yeah, I, I didn't do a ton of, like, WordPress and e-commerce stuff together in those years between, like, 2007 and 2009 just because I didn't see any good plugins for it. And at the time... Uh, WP e-commerce was the only one that did it and that was kind of why I got involved with that project because at the time it was really the only one and so I used it with uh, with a few different client sites and uh, naturally it was full of bugs and fun stuff like that so I ended up emailing uh, the guys in New Zealand that make it and saying you know hey here's some patches or whatever and That's the relationship <laughs> just kind of grew from there that's uh, instinct, isn't it? Or use yeah, thing. instinct. Dan Millward, uh, really great guys. Uh, doing a lot of interesting stuff for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's how that started. So uh, you've been kind of contributing to core then. So you've been working on that project for three plus years now, or? Yeah, yeah, since about the uh, the three point eight release. Uh, so kind of gearing up for that back in twenty ten, I guess when WordPress three point was coming out. Um, was when I really started getting kind of heavily involved as a core developer for it. Cool. So you were pretty involved with converting it from using its own custom system to using a lot of custom post types, weren't right. you? Yeah, yeah. So when I got involved in 2010, they were already in the process of using uh, custom post types for products as far as kind of doing that on the front end, but they hadn't yet committed uh, to changing everything in the back end to use that. Um, so that was kind of my big push, trying to convince them for that 3.8 release to also use uh, the entire WordPress backend for kind of the UI for custom post types. So I spent probably six months uh, converting all of their old uh, backend UI into using the custom post types UI. 
Wow, that's a major project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah tell me about it, especially in the 3.0 release, because I mean, custom post types as so, an API and as a concept, we're still fairly immature. So, um, so was it all backwards compatible? So you like had to port everyone's data from the old way and. Uh, for the most part, it wasn't perfect or flawless by any means, but uh, we did try to pay really special attention to that. And so a lot of the plugins that were built for it were built by Instinct, so we were able to test a lot of those and make sure they worked. Um, and we did try to make sure that every hook that was in place still did what it was supposed to do and uh, that kind of thing. I don't recall I wasn't... a ton of breakage, but I'm sure there was. I wasn't super familiar with custom post types at the time, but I do remember uh, when when WordPress 3.0 came out and WP Commerce was updated to it. That I was using WP Commerce on a couple of client sites at the time, and I remember the upgrades, uh, the updates actually working flawlessly. That's good to hear. Yeah, we we figured that about 95% of folks had a really good time with it. And then 5% are the ones that you hear from, right? <laughs> so right. Uh, when people had like really interesting like product category, like triple nesting issues there and uh, like tons of variations, sometimes they would get dropped off in the migration process. Uh, so there are some issues, but most of it got resolved pretty quickly. Sure. Cool. Aside from WP Commerce, which is, uh, I would assume, is your the largest plugin that you work on, just based yeah. on the size of that plugin. Uh, what are some of your other plugins that you have? I know that you have a few other on the repository. Yeah. So, um, probably the smallest plugin that I've ever written, kind of on the other end, is just called Write First. Um, so I had this time in my life, like a year or two ago, when I was like, hey, I'm going to start blogging <laughs> because I use WordPress and I should. And so I was annoyed that every time I logged in, it took me to kind of a useless dashboard page, and I just wanted to write first. Uh, so it's like a two-line plugin, maybe, that uh, when you log in, it just takes you to the add new post page. Um, so that's a silly little plugin that just scratched an itch for me. Uh, and then there's a few other plugins I think I have on the repository that uh, kind of integrate with WP e-commerce and that kind of thing. I think I'm an author or contributor on uh, the WP e-commerce beta tester plugin and uh, some other ones like that. So it's mostly kind of in that e-commerce realm. Um, and I have a lot of kind of, and I don't know if you guys are the same way, but I have like a bunch of like half-written plugins or like little snippets that I want to release because, I don't know, they're really useful for me, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have yeah. lots of those. That's what GitHub is for, right? Right. <laughs> I don't even put them on right. GitHub. <laughs> I'm it kind of, for me, it kind of depends on, on what the plugin <laughs> is. Uh, I mean, like, I have plugins that I wrote for myself that I, I put on there. Uh, sometimes just because I want to make sure that I track them between all my computers, and and sometimes that's better than, than other non-version non control-like systems like Dropbox. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I I love it when people publish like their dot vim files and their dot bash files and all that stuff because you can go through it and kind of get an idea like oh how are they how are they working <laughs> you know like yeah what what's their configurations um, but and I and I've been meaning to do it it's just like one of those things you just never get to you know totally yeah it's I like I, I see people yeah. I see people a lot of times that have super cool. Uh, bash configs that have all their cool shortcuts, and I'm thinking, man, I should really just take the time to do that, and then drop my drop my config into into GitHub or something. So even just so that I can use it between my my multiple computers, but totally. I get lazy and don't do it. Even though 
doing it would make my life easier. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, well. So, Justin, I know that you have contributed to WordPress core uh, yeah. multiple times. What are some of your more significant contributions? Um, most of my contributions have... I mean, it's kind of all over the place. There's some JavaScript stuff, some filter stuff, uh, some documentation stuff. So it's kind of a little bit of everything. I haven't um, contributed like one major awesome feature or anything. I'm actually looking at. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the like core contributions widget plugin that Eric Mann wrote. Um, yes, but I, have, I, I had it. that running on my site, so I can kind of look at what I've actually done. Uh, okay, okay, so yeah, I guess one of the things that I did was uh, the WP registration URL function. Uh, Scribu started that, and I kind of finished it. Um, so that was introduced a while ago. Uh, yeah, when, I, I, I think I remember that one getting introduced. Yeah, and when I've never uh, really used it, but it's cool. Yeah, it's not. It's a, just a wrapper, really. It's nothing too crazy. Um, what else? <laughs> when the automatic updater uh, was getting into 3.7. Uh, Dion introduced a commit that had like two semicolons, uh, so I fixed that. Uh, yeah, so I mean, nothing like major, like, oh my goodness, but um, I try to go for, I don't know, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I just, wherever I can find something that's just an easy enough uh, scratch to itch, I just kind of go for it. Um, I don't, I haven't found that I have the time to contribute like half my time or like 20 hours or 10 hours a week or anything to core, but sometimes I'll get like half a day where I just browse track and it's like, oh, I can scratch that. Uh, and you submit something and it's just there. So do Absolutely. You, so do you mostly just, you know, uh, submit things that you're kind of having troubles with in your own development or do you mostly go through track and like try to knock out this bug or that bug or that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, kind of both. So for for example, a while ago there was some project that I was doing that was doing interesting stuff with comments and I noticed in one of, uh, I forget what it was, in one of, I guess like the WP comment meta class or something like that, uh, it, it didn't take a comment ID and it should have. And so, you know, I just search tracks, see if there's anything uh, mentioning that and, and fix it if it's not. So that was like an example of something that was uh, directly related to something I was working on that was kind of annoying and needed to be fixed. Um, another example, sometimes uh, sometimes it's not even my itch to scratch, but it's something that somebody brings up, either we're chatting or it's on Twitter, and they're like, hey, man, why does Core do this? And so then my interest gets peaked, and it's like, oh, why does it do that? So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a third-party thing. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes it is just, like, I just really feel like doing something in core, so I'll just browse track and see uh, see what's kind of low-hanging fruit or see what's interesting or see what's high-priority and see if I can help or not. It can it can definitely be hard finding something to work on by just browsing track cause, just because track is so massive. Yeah, you really, and this is probably isn't, like, recommended, um, and I kind of do it in place of Twitter a lot, but there's, like, the firehose list, right? Uh, so you get every it's very appropriately commit. <laughs> it is. Um, so I don't think most people are like they get every single thing that happens on track, um, but I do, which is kind of nice because sometimes I like I'll get a notification saying, "Hey, this thing is happening in track," and I can just like hop in and fix it, and it's great. And sometimes it means that I have like two thousand track emails that I'm never going to read, so I just delete them all. So yeah, um, I, I've I've been wanting to do that, but I I, I think I really want to put the 
in like a separate email inbox yeah. <laughs> just so I can completely ignore it if I want. But then if I do want to go and see, hey, what has track been up to, I can just go skim it. Sure. Yeah. So for me, I just have it in a uh, just like a separate filter so it never hits my inbox. So when I make time to check it out, I check it out and, yeah. and that's that. But yeah, that's worked out pretty well in terms of just kind of staying aware of what's happening in core. Um, because, I don't know, that's important to me if we're making big plugins that you're kind of aware of what's going on in the direction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think as I've been building a bigger and bigger plugin, uh, being easy digital downloads, I've definitely become more aware of what's happening in Core because sure. suddenly it's much more important, like the big changes happening in Core. Like, for example, the introduction of MP6 into Trunk exactly. uh, can have huge impacts, um, just things like that. And also just... As you write a larger and larger code base, you're more likely to encounter problems. Right. Like I what, found one the other day. When's what, a good time? Right? When's a good time to like jump in to to that though? Like you know, I think uh, three eighths in alpha now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. When you say jump in, like, do you mean jump into testing with? Yeah, with like the when? New, when's the it new three eighths too early? Right. Like when? You know. I don't think it's ever too early. And it kind of depends on what you're trying to do, right? So, like, if you're if you're wanting to introduce some huge change to an API or some huge new feature, then timing on that is kind of important. But if you're just wanting to fix a bug, then you can yeah. kind of do that anytime. Like, for example, we've got a couple of bugs in EDD that have been related to uh, the new MP6, which are now in trunk styles. Um, and so we've been pushing fixes for them, <laughs> but then I realized after I pushed the fixes, oh wait, these fixes are going to go out before 3.8 comes out. Do they still apply, or do they cause the problems? Yeah, right. That's what. That's so, kind of I mean, what I mean by too early. Yeah, and I think it really depends on what your change is. Like in our case, the changes didn't. They were just small CSS things, so it didn't actually hurt anything by leaving them in. Yeah, that's a really great point because uh, and it's kind of changed the way that we do some plugin development because early on, I think it was in the 3.1 release for WordPress, uh, during the development process, they were going to have the WP list table class uh, kind of be Ajaxified, right? So mm-hmm. um, it was going to be great. You never have to refresh the page. Pagination works, all that. Um, so then they end up having like this uh, core committer, like Summit, where they figure out, yeah, that's not going to work. It's a ton of usability issues, and they scrap it. Uh, so we were like, this is awesome. Let's use Ajax for list tables in WP e-commerce. And so we ship a release with it, and uh, and then it's like all out of core completely. Um, or I mean, it's still there, but it's all basically turned off. Um, so that was kind of an area where we were following the development of WordPress and we're like, yeah, let's get on the cutting edge and just do it. And then once it's actually release candidate or it's out there, uh, it can kind of bite you. So in terms of kind of making significant changes and releasing them, uh, sometimes you can kind of get the cart before the horse there. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of the same story with what happened with post formats. Like, I mean, so many right. theme developers were were working on getting up to date and making and supporting them, and then they got ripped out. I mean, some of that was the theme developers being being awesome and saying, hey, we're going to support this from day one. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's obviously not necessarily a bad idea to do it, but it's just something that I think you need to be very conscious of, knowing this is in development. It's not guaranteed 100% that it's going to be exactly as is when it's released. Exactly. I, yeah. I think I think my rule of thumb has been to, like, when it gets to beta, like, when the beta releases come out, it's pretty much feature frozen at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, at what point did the like the post status stuff uh, get ripped? Post out? formats. 
Yeah, post-format. Um, well, there's kind of both in 3.6, right? Because there's the stuff that Daniel Bakuber was working on for the edit flow stuff, which was pulled out before post-formats. Right. Right. I, I know it was definitely before beta was ever ever yeah. released, but I feel like beta was getting really close, and yeah. then that's when they started to realize, wait, this isn't going to work. Right, right. Yeah, so for us, I think I'm a little bit more conservative, and maybe it's kind of just depending on the project, but I would say if it's in, like, RC and it's still there, that's when I would feel like it would be safe to start building something. Because um, even in beta, like, even then, it's there's still some kind of settling that happens. True. Um, but once a release candidate is out, I feel pretty comfortable. Hmm, interesting. So, Pippin, what have you been working on these days? Well, um, in the last week or so, um, I've actually been traveling quite a bit. I just traveled to WordCamp Orlando, and then I got back two days ago. Um, but my main project for the last couple of days and going forward for the next week or so is making easy digital downloads easy again. Um, we had somebody made a comment to me. Uh, I think it was Adam Pickering, about two weeks ago during a, a developer chat, um, and he was like, "Why does this get really complex and sometimes like almost hard to use because it's grown so much?" And it kind of caught me off guard. But then I realized that it was super true in that this plugin that was originally built to make selling digital products super easy isn't necessarily always easy to use. Like, for example, our taxes interface is not awesome. Uh, we have other things that are that are still struggling. Um, and and just like general challenges with that with, that we see in support day to day. So my goal is to like go back and freeze all new feature development in general and just look at what we currently have and where our, our weak points are, where the pain points are happening and see what we can improve with that. So nice. that's kind of my my goal at the moment is just to help make it live up to its name. Right. I, I can imagine that it just gets out of control with all the feature requests and stuff. And... Well, yeah. I mean, feature bloat's so easy to get it to be victimized by. Um, I mean, like somebody, somebody says, hey, this is perfect. I love this plugin. But it would be really cool if I had this feature. And you can think, like, yeah, that feature makes sense. Maybe maybe we should go ahead and build it. It's a cool feature. It's not hard to build. It would make this person happy. It probably makes some other people happy. But then you realize that after you've done that 25 times, suddenly your system is a lot more complex, but not necessarily better. Right. Sure. So that that's kind of what I'm working on. I don't. We're not gonna we're not gonna rip anything out because I think everything that we have in it is good. I just want to make sure. I want to change tracks a little bit and look at really improving the system as opposed to building onto onto the system. Yeah, I'm sure we could do like a whole episode about like. You know whether you should make it an option in the UI or if it should be just. I think we should do a whole episode on that. Yeah, uh, smart. You could definitely do that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Justin, what have you been? What have you been working on lately? Uh, lately, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of e-commerce stuff. Uh, so I'm working on a, a jewelry website in Manhattan uh, that sells just custom jewelry stuff. So uh, been spending quite a bit of time on that and building. Whenever I do client projects, I kind of try to see what uh, what they're doing that I can kind of abstract into a separate, whether it's a plugin or a library or something to sell or a framework or something. Uh, so for this one specifically, uh, there was some pretty good alignment with a lot of feature requests that I get uh, because the jeweler was wanting the ability to have uh, just really basic upsells 
on the checkout page. So, you know, add gift wrap or add packaging or, or whatever. Simple stuff like that that we don't have in Core right now. Uh, but I get requests for all the time, kind of in different incarnations, whether it's people asking, you know, for gift wrap or packaging or a polishing cloth or whatever. Um, so part of the project has been to kind of build an upselling framework uh, that people can use to do any number of those things. Uh, so that's been kind of interesting to work on. It's always fun when you can uh, have a client project that turns into kind of a more general, abstracted, useful bit of something. Uh, totally. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been spending this last week on primarily. Cool. Yeah. Brad, how about you? Uh, I've been working mostly on MigrateDB Pro lately. Uh, we're gearing up for a 1.3 release, so just about to get the beta out, maybe later today, probably tomorrow, though. Um, and it's going to have the media files add-on, so I've been doing a lot of testing Ooh, for that. That would be really cool. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to try and break it. Oh, please do. <laughs> hey man, I got I've got a I've got a site that's got 30 gigabytes of media files. Let's see what oh, you can do with it. Wow. Oh dear God. <laughs> that that I we haven't tested anything like that. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you know at what point it breaks. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, it, it's it's mainly for it's mainly not for that use case to be honest. <laughs> it's it's mainly for the use case of okay, I have a local development site and there's a live site and you know a few things have changed since the last time I worked on sure. it. Let's see, you know, determine what the differences are and then just download so those few would you, files. Would you say that <laughs> it's it's primarily going to be for like media assets in terms of like screenshots that you have in pages, uh, maybe a logo that's uploaded through the through the media library, things like that. Sure, like an, anything. Light assets. Okay. Yeah, anything that's um, added to the media library. Is it going to have the ability to filter the locations that you pull from? So, Or is it just the global media library? It's going to be the global media library. Oh, you mean okay. like filter? Like if it well, I was, I was thinking it would be really cool if you could say only pull from uh, the WP content uploads 2013, 07, folder oh i see what you're saying hmm interesting it'd be kind of cool i don't know i don't know if there's much of a use case for that i mean again i think of it as like from the perspective of a site that has bajillion files right well you which know, is you, probably you have, not your standard user yeah if you have that many files i'd really recommend using ftp or ssh or, <laughs> or, or rsync <laughs> or rsync well yeah rsync will yeah. work but yeah totally but, uh, hey, but for me, it's it's much more of a. I'm just curious to know if it can do it. I, <laughs> I would never rely on it because that just seems like a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah, totally. Who who the yeah. hell? Thirty gigs, man. That's crazy. Yeah, but that's but, crazy. That's what happens when you have a public upload system. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> yep. Crazy. Cool. cool. Should well, we jump into our noteworthy plugins section? Yeah, for sure. What what's cool. uh, the plugin you chose, Pippin? This time I chose Query Monitor. Uh, this is a super cool new plugin that came out um, for developers from uh, John Blackburn. And he released it, uh, I don't know, about three days ago, four days ago. Um, and it's it's on the same kind of category as like Debug Bar and the, all the add-ons for seeing queries and seeing performance and things like that, except it's really, really extensive. Um, so, for example, it, it will show you all of the database queries that have happened on a page. Um, 
And then it also gives you the ability to like filter those queries. So let's say you want to see all queries that happen on a page that were of a select query or an update query or a delete query. Um, it allows you to filter those queries by where they came from, or it calls them components. So let's show only the queries that came from WordPress core. Show the queries that came from plugin X or plugin Y, or show the th queries that came from a theme. Um, it'll show you like where those queries came from, what was the calling function. Uh, it shows you all of the memory usage, all of the affected rows. It, sh it runs down and shows you all of the hooks that were fired uh, and where those hooks came from. Uh, it shows you PDF errors, HTTP requests, redirects, pretty much everything that you could want to know about queries and other stuff happening on the page during the load process. It's ridiculously cool. Cool. So... What is the uh, advantage of like not having it as part of like debug bar and stuff? Is it just too much information? I to don't think. Stick it yeah, in? I don't think it could be put in debug bar. I mean, yeah. maybe it could. It's it's a ton of information. Have either of you played with it yet? No, I've installed it, but I haven't played with it. I I I haven't used it to try and like track down any real problems. I just did it kind of with the initial let's go have fun, um, and it's it's nuts. I mean, it's so much information. But it's really, really cool. Uh, I do actually have a problem uh, in a plugin that I want to track down, and I'm going to go give this a shot and see what it can tell me. I have a memory leak in a plugin um, that's causing a particular page to sometimes jump up all the way up to like 250 megabytes of memory, um, and I, I can't figure out where it's coming from. <laughs> Interesting. So we're gonna we're gonna see what John can tell me. Yeah. Nice. What's uh, what's your plugin, Justin? <laughs> Uh, mine is also by John Blackburn, who... Uh, Holy for, crap. <laughs> I know, right? Which, for people that don't know this guy, he's super, super brilliant. He works at Code for the People, which is a VIP agency in the UK. Um, super underrated guy, for sure. Um, and he's also one of those guys that does a ton of work with uh, WordPress core contributing. So uh, if you do subscribe to Track, you'll see his name all the time. Uh, but the other plugin that he wrote that I use uh, all the time is called User Switching, uh, which has been out for much longer. And, and it's it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Anytime you're using not even like just custom rules and capabilities, but even when you have a website where you don't just have an administrator, but you have people that are actually using the native WordPress roles, authors and editors and anything like that, um, it's just super, super helpful to be able to quickly and easily switch between different users or different user roles. And even uh, beyond development, even for support, if you have like a membership site and somebody's saying, hey, this is looking weird on my account, you can easily log in and switch to their account and see what they're seeing. Um, so it's really easy. I mean, you just go to the users page and where you usually have edit or delete, there's a switch to button uh, or link and that's it. You just switch and it automatically logs you in and uh, it's awesome. Yeah. So. I use it a lot on um, a couple of my sites, including a, a big membership site that I help build. Uh, and it's it's just awesome. I mean, anytime that you have any kind of information that is displayed to a logged-in user, especially if it's like maybe different than what an admin would see, um, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I think I'm... my favorite is running running like a store site. And a customer says, "Hey, this isn't showing up in my account." And so I go like switch to that account and say, "Actually, yes, it is here." This is where it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Things That's like that. exactly the scenario I've used it in lots of times. So it's been really handy for yeah. me as well. I, 
it is uh, one of those plugins that literally does get installed on every single site I run. Yeah. Yeah, I think John's writing a lot of plugins like that these days. He's doing pretty good, that's for sure. Yeah. Cool. Brad, what about your plugin? <clears throat> yeah, so I chose Twitter Tools for today. Um, have you guys used Twitter Tools? I have not. Is I've used something. Is this the crowd favorite one? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, okay, yeah. I think Alex, I think this goes way back to before even crowd favorite. <laughs> okay. it's, it's an old plugin. Um, but it's uh, basically what it does is it downloads your tweets from Twitter and then sticks them in your WordPress uh, as a custom post type. And it, you know, uses uh, taxonomies for hashtags and at mentions. It actually downloads any images that are attached to the tweet and archives them in your media library, um, which I don't know if you guys have had this problem, but if you try to search a tweet from like, you know, a year ago, uh, you're not going to find it on Twitter.com. <laughs> right, right. And so this has been super useful for me because uh, I can, you know, just search for, you know, a tweet I made, you know, a year ago and, and get it, bring it up and go to the does site. It, does whatever. it put them in a, in, in a public archive? Like are all of your tweets public or are they, are they just kind of hidden in your account, in your WordPress uh, account? Good question. I think they are public by default, but you can turn it off. I think that's how it works. Kind um, of intrigues me. Do you know how well does it work to import, say, uh, a Twitter account that's been going for a while? So, like for me, I have twenty-three thousand tweets. If I turn it on and try to import those, is it going to freak out on me? Yeah, I don't. I, as far as I know, there is no you know import previous tweets. As far as I oh, know, oh okay, I thought it's... you said that earlier. On. Okay, so it's just for new ones. That's right. Yeah, as far as okay. I know, um, I actually have a plugin on the repository myself that that imports tweets. Um, it just like it adds a, itself as an importer, like it's just a standard mm -hmm. WordPress importer, and imports your That's tweets. Cool. But I don't think it works anymore because <laughs> because Twitter <laughs> yeah, turned I, I off plugin. I don't think it works, but it's it's here. <laughs> I like that. exactly. Uh, I just want to make sure everyone knows that I don't think it works. <laughs> Because uh, nice. Twitter, I'm pretty sure Twitter disabled its RSS stuff like a while ago, and that's what it was oh, right. dependent mm -hmm. on. Um, but if someone out there wants to do something similar, and you know, Twitter has this, um, you can download like just like an archive file of like, I've seen that. I think it's like yeah. an XML file or something that has like all your tweets in it. Uh, forever. Someone else wrote an importer plugin that takes that dump file. And this was a core thing at one point, wasn't it? When they were, uh, I think there was a core discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it was it. Aaron Campbell and Pete Mall that were working on it. That that sounds right. Cool. So what what were they working on? Like a to, they to were handle basically that file? A importer. Yeah, allow you to import that dump file. Oh yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing. And if they would do it so that it was like imported the data so that it was compatible with Twitter tools, and then you could just keep that'd going with Twitter tools, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, some I know. I'm pretty positive it was Aaron Campbell. Where did that go? Cool. Yeah, I mean that, that's something I've been considering doing for a while because early on I didn't realize it, but now 
like there's a lot of really valuable discussions inside of my Twitter account, um, and they're just there, and I feel like maybe they should get archived. Yeah. Or or taken out of the control of of Twitter if they decide to to do something with them. Yeah, I I think I don't know. It's it the the plugin's been very valuable for me just just for the search feature. Like that's that's sure. just being able to go back and search. I mean, how I does know. it um how does it pull new ones in? Is it uh do you have to tweet actually from your WordPress account or does it just have like a cron job that goes and pulls new ones in each day? Yeah, it's it's pretty much a cron job and it just pulls new ones in. It, it the plugin actually requires the social plugin. It's called uh, social. It's a uh, crowd favorite and Mailchimp collaboration. Um and it uses that to connect to your social media account and stuff. Okay. But, Very yeah. cool. Well, um, I think that pretty much gets us to the end here. Anything else anybody wants to add before we close this out? Uh, thanks for Justin for, for being our guest. Yeah, yeah Justin, thanks, thanks for, for coming in. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.